Home and Classroom, a podcast brought to you by the Capital District Child Care Council. We're your hosts. I'm Rachel Mandel, registered nurse. And I'm Hannah Wise, registered dietitian. And our producer, Lindsay Clark, graphic designer. Hi. <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello, hello. Here we are. We're back. We're back. How's your week going, Hannah? My week is going, going very busily. Is that a word? <laughs> I don't think so, but I think we all know like what you that. mean. It's very busy. You know, I just cranked out uh, 12 sweet potato lessons. Oh. It was very exciting, actually. They, Did the children like it? They liked it. We did a taste testing with sweet potatoes, purple potatoes, and red-skinned white potatoes. And who was, what was the winner? Sweet potatoes, for sure. Obviously. For sure. The purple <laughs> potatoes were not a hit. Did they just not like that they were eating a purple potato? They or? were they were a little sketched out about the purple. They thought it was going to taste like a grape. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> surprise. <laughs> it's pretty starchy. Yeah, they, they were not into that. But yeah. but yeah, just doing the farm to preschool, and I'm looking for farmers. So oh. if anyone out there is a farmer and knows a farmer that would want to participate in my preschool markets. So what does that entail? So we're setting up two... Uh, preschool markets right at preschool centers so during pickup time so parents of these kids have access to local fresh veggies they don't have to go to the store after Um, we're going to set up ebt machines so snap benefits WIC checks farmers market nutrition program checks will all be able to be used at our market so trying to make those local veggies a little more accessible oh cool you'll have to tell us more as it gets closer tell us where you're going to be Yes, yeah. It's my favorite part of the program. Oh, fun. Cool. So how are things with you, Lindsay? Anything new other than all this fancy equipment we're sitting around? Yeah, don't we sound good? Do we sound good? (laughs) I wonder. Sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I've just been, this is all I've been doing all week is researching. Mm -hmm. Researching and... You know, comparing products and accessories and everything. So we are completely off the computer, have this little digital recorder, new mics, new stands. We're, you may, I hopefully you can tell by our sound, but if you could see us, we are very professional. Very. I mean, there's a sign outside that says recording in progress. (laughs) So we are really. I really think we should get a light, like a little red light, Mm -hmm. but I'll take the sign. I mean, most importantly, we now have t-shirts. I mean, we that's do. a sign that we've made it. We have t-shirts now. Yeah. All you have to do is be a podcast host for anyone who's listening. Not guest. host. You could be a host if you want, but <laughs> a podcast guest. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to come on, be a podcast guest, and you get a t-shirt. Talk about something relevant. Sort of relevant to childhood. Yeah. yeah. Development. <laughs> Preferably, we'd like. that's. We could probably stretch it to fit. Right, child development back. somehow. Yeah, you know. children are involved in everything. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I feel like my husband, every time we meet a new person or we're talking to someone new, he's like, they would be great for your podcast. <laughs> and sometimes it just makes no sense. Like he was trying to get his sister on. She's like, she could talk about eyeballs. She's going to be an eye doctor, but oh. not even pediatric. I was like, I don't right, just eyes. think our listeners want to just hear about random things, but... Children have eyes. I don't know. They do. Most of them have too. I mean, we did want to do an episode all about eyebrows. So, oh yeah, we did go down that road once. Yeah, uh, Ben really wants to be on the podcast, also. So he can come. I'm sure we'll find something for yeah. him to talk about. Talk about water research. <laughs> Very thrilling I'm topic. Interested. Yeah. 
<laughs> so how's your week going? Mine's pretty good. Um, still a bit busy. I just came, um, I did a conference over the weekends. So I taught about um, infection control and common illness. And I didn't think that many people would come because it was at 7 a.m. Mm. But a whole lot of people came. So if you were there, the thank you. The good 7 a.m. slot. Saturday yeah. morning, too, right? Saturday morning at 7 a.m., yeah. So that was really exciting because I feel like a lot of times my my favorite topics kind of get pushed to the side because people don't think wrongly. They don't think that infection control is exciting, but it is exciting. I'm here to convince exciting. you. <laughs> Thrilling. <laughs> I'm here to convince everybody about that. This met with some blank stares. <laughs> yeah, nobody listens. But if you come to my training, you'll see. Good. So yeah, I've been doing pretty well. Good. Are we ready for our game? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we, we have some. Game. We have some good ones. I think this is a good week, Lindsay. So get I ready. was taking right. notes, you know, because we've had a little bit of a lull, so things have happened, mm-hmm. and I was writing down weird things that Levi has been doing. So okay, get ready. So for everybody listening, again, this is our favorite game. It's called Two Children and a Dog. Sometimes we call it Two Toddlers and a Dog, but I think we're going to stick on Two Children and a Dog. You could write in and let us know if you don't like that name. (laughs) We'll change it. Um, So we're just going to say two things that a toddler did or a child did. Happens to be my son, Meyer. And one thing a dog did, and Lindsay gets to guess which one is the dog. Are you ready, Lindsay? And I always lose. But we're well, going to we'll change see. that. Well, you know, You've I got, won before. I got positive thoughts here, Lindsay. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, okay. So, this child or dog got into some Advil. Mm. <laughs> this child or dog got a hold of some toilet paper and took it throughout the entire house. This child or dog dug a deep hole in the backyard. Oh wow. Ooh. Those are tricky. Yeah, we said it's a good all week. true. <laughs> Boy, walk us through your thoughts here. Well, I will. I would hope that getting into the Advil wasn't a like. Did you this, don't want anyone? Everything, to have been that right. One, right? Everything's okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah, everything's fine. Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was a little alarming. <laughs> Yeah, we started Um, off with that one, too. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm going to say, I feel like you're going to want me to say Levi dug the hole, but Meyer could totally dig holes. Levi took the toilet paper all through the house. Positive thoughts. Yep. Yeah, he did. It was really cute. (laughs) It doesn't sound very cute. Oh, I just thought it was adorable. <laughs> I mean, we also, I said house, because, but we have an apartment. It's very tiny. I mean. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't such a cleanup job. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so what, cute. he got into the bathroom and just, did he, was he pawing at it? Nope, to, he just took it by his oh. mouth and took himself for a walk. Oh, around the apartment. <laughs> That's cute. Jack has tried to do that. He hasn't made it out of the bathroom, though. Oh. So, like, I've I've kind of stopped him yeah. from good, leaving, right. but he would good. do that for yeah. sure. I was just yeah. like, oh, yeah, Meyer would also. That yeah. could have yeah. been it. That could have right? been him for sure. I mean, toilet paper's fun. It's on right. the wall. It's hanging. It's right. it's, a it's great en- game. endless, really. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I feel like I have to you tell you about the Advil, Advil because you're right, that's alarming. So, <laughs> yeah. so we have had quite the time lately with Meyer getting into things. He's definitely a toddler. He's 18 months now, just turned 18 months. So I had gone into the kitchen to get him a snack. He's really into nori right now, so I was going to get him some nori. <laughs> and I toddler. <laughs> quite bougie. So I came out to back into the living room, and he was sitting on the table holding a bag of Advil that I had in my purse that I had brought, you know, with me because I had a headache. So he was just holding it. I am 99% sure that he did not eat any of that Advil. But who's to say? You don't know when you just see somebody, Somebody, a toddler baby (laughs) holding it. So I called poison control, as you do, as you should do. And I just want to make sure that everybody knows how amazing poison control is. If you even think you need to call them, you should call them because they're going to make you feel great about yourself, even though you're in a parenting row. <laughs> this is not a good moment for me. But the woman was so sweet. She was like, okay, mom, this happens all the time. I'm going to ask you a few Aww. questions. You know, how much does he weigh? What, where, What's the dose on the pill? So I tell her everything and she was like, okay. So here's what we know. He could eat up to 12 of those pills before this was a situation where he would have to be in the emergency room. No Don't take my numbers, by the way. Call them or call because you're going to want to talk to Poison Control if this happens to you. they're great. I yeah. mean. <laughs> but could you believe 12? I was wow. shocked. For a little toddler. For a little teeny guy, yeah. That's crazy. So you went with no. There was no I'm real way. I'm pretty positive he had 12. zero, but there were only like three in the bag. You know, I had just right. taken a few to work or whatever. Yeah. So I'm pretty positive it was zero, but definitely not 12. So she was like, okay, well, you're good to go. Keep moving. Like, you're doing keep, great. Keep up the great work, Mom. She literally told me I was doing great. <laughs> I wasn't. I know. Well, she, you came in my office. After, you were glowing after talking to Poison They're Control. They're so nice. There's, I might and they're call them experts. just to chat if right. I'm lonely. <laughs> they're sort of a therapy line. They're really, really yeah. great. They must just deal with so many parents who are like, oh, my So gosh. frazzled. Yeah. yeah. They were super yeah. great. I really like them. All right. So today we're going to be, or we already spoke to. So today on first day's episode, we interviewed um, Kathleen here from the council. And she's our infant toddler specialist. So if you like what you hear and you want to hear more from her, she is going to be doing a training soon. So you want to tell them about that, Hannah? Sure. So there is an infant and toddler workshop on Saturday, April 27th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. This is in Coble Skill. Um, And this workshop covers practices that support literacy and emotional literacy, skill development, including responsive relationships and rich language experiences. So we had an awesome conversation with Kathleen today. Yeah, I'm excited Um, for you all to hear. I learned a lot. And, I mean, I think we all did in the room. We learned a lot. So if you like what you have heard, uh, check out this workshop that's coming up at the end of the month. Where can they – do they call Kathleen to register? How does that work? Yeah, so you can call Kathleen at 518-426-7181, extension 355. You can also register online. Um, You can go to our website and look in our calendar, or you can go to – it says here, (laughs) bit.ly. We'll forward slash infant toddler day. We'll put the link in the show notes where yeah, you can register. Um, we'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. And you get some uh, training hours as well. Great. Yeah. Her interview was so great. Um, and Kathleen's great. I keep saying great. <laughs> she's great. She, is, she's, she really she's is great. She's awesome. She's sweet. Great and awesome. <laughs> yeah. 
and um, just super genuine and easy to talk to, you know, easy to listen to, too. All right, let's give it a listen. Okay, welcome. Today we are here with our guest, Kathleen Harlan, who is the infant and toddler specialist at the Child Care Council. Who was the last child you talked to and what did they say? I think I'm going to bend it a little bit. <laughs> Most people do. Okay. That's fair. A lot of as long as it's funny. <laughs> well, we'll see. But uh, I'm going to pull it back to my last uh, group of children that I worked directly with. So when I was a toddler uh, caregiver. So, because those are better anyway, because you have a relationship with them, and yeah, you know, those, you know sto- those right. Stuff, yeah. So those, you know, those conversations can be really rich. So. There was four children at the end of the day, most days. So most of the class was gone, but there was four children consistently left at the end of the, di- at the, end of the day. So we would be able to really get into whatever play we were doing, you know, sort of like that bonus time at the uh-huh. end of the day, you know, because mm-hmm. there was much less children. But one day, for whatever reason, three of those parents came and scooped up all three at the same time. So there was just one left. Oh, so I felt, I know, oh. except, that I, except that I kind of turned what it and I sort of had like, like oh. a sad face to this child and I was like, oh, you know, too bad your friends aren't here kind of thing. So I said, oh, so this is a toddler class. I don't remember if I said so. I said to this little toddler like, oh, you know, it's just you and me. Like, you know, everybody left, you know, oh, sorry, you know, it's just you and me. And he immediately got this straight face, this processing face and looked at me and said, that's good. Oh. <laughs> it just warmed my heart like nothing else. Because I was saying it like all apologetically, you yeah. know, and he was like, wait a minute, that's great. I've got you all to myself. You know? right. and it made me feel so good. And I just hadn't seen that that's from so him, sweet. you know. So uh, I, oh, I think back to heart. that a lot. That's I know. Oh, I just And I just loved him. So it was so special. So you guys had a good time. So we had a good time. <laughs> yeah. now, we remember what we did, but we did yeah. it up, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, that's so oh, sweet. That's really cute. <laughs> So you're the infant and toddler specialist. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and what you do here for the council? Sure. And then also maybe you could just tell us what your background is. You gave a little glimpse of that. but Sure, sure. So basically I am supporting all things infant toddler here at the council, which largely means teachers uh, supporting teachers in their practice to help them uh, better their practice and help them just make their days as rich as possible with, uh, with infants and toddlers. So that can be in a, a daycare center, a child care center. Or it can be in a family or group family, um, child care. Um, but it also can just be any aspects, infant and toddler. So we do some advocacy here, you know, really working with a, a variety of other agencies and um, groups to help um, support the growth and development of infants and toddlers and their families, um, you know, really supporting all around. So, so uh, yeah, so it takes sort of many different uh, forms, but it's all about the... All about the babies. The little ones. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what's your background in? So I uh, started as a kindergarten teacher. So oh, I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my uh, degrees are uh, in um, early childhood education. I, and then I started as a kindergarten teacher and then went to, uh, was home for many years with my children. So I was doing like mommy and me preschool, like music and uh, mommy and me music classes mm-hmm. and, and preschool ballet and, you know, cleaning houses and just doing all these like in between things uh-huh. uh, while my children were at school, you know, trying to get home before they get off the bus and all of that. But um, then I re joined the professional world. There was a, you know, full day uh, work um, in the in a child care center. So then I started with infant and toddlers and loved it. I really mm-hmm. loved it, which is, it can be such a challenging job that sometimes people are like, you loved it. I'm like, I love it. I mean, it was really, <laughs> it was really sort of magical and you. special. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but then uh, that work sort of led me to this work, um, sort of supporting in the, the, those roles. 
Great. Well, I'm really excited to have someone on for Infinite Toddlers because I think you're right that a lot of times when I think of what my, like, my son's teachers, for instance, in his Infinite Toddler rooms, and I think of, like, just how much work they have to put into every interaction that they have throughout the day, I'm just, I really, I'm glad that we could maybe give them some support because they're doing really good work. Oh, yeah. And I think, I mean, that's what people were focusing on. Like, you know, how, you know, you really love it, but there's just a magic to it. And and obviously, like any other profession, you, you know, what you put into it, you know, is what you get out of it. And and there's, it it was really a special experience to work with infants and toddlers, you know. Yeah. Great. So you teach a lot about infant literacy, correct? Yeah, I do. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? <laughs> Are we teaching the babies to read? or what's <laughs> So what that means and what the importance of it is. Sure. I know I recently had a training, and uh, the title was uh, Language and Literacy for Infants and Toddlers. And uh, my husband signed up, sort of snickered at it too yeah. he was like uh, you're teaching the infants to read you know? <laughs> and like <laughs> la- starting language <laughs> skills really, i think yeah. he envisioned it like a first grade classroom like where the uh clock has like a label underneath it that says clock yeah. you know <laughs> see hello yeah. see okay and the garbage has like a little label that's like garbage you know i think he envisioned that i had like a baby and was feeding the bottle and it's like bottle b-o-t-t-l-e like- bottle you know but no it's clearly Some not flashcards yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's clearly not about that but it, but honestly it sort of is uh, mm-hmm. you know it is um, building uh, reading skills and school readiness but it just looks so different when you're talking about infants and toddlers it's really sort of in the context of our um of strong loving relationships and meaningful conversations and all of those pieces of Learning to read and yeah. and uh, becoming a strong student fall into that fall into the interactions we have. So you know, even if it's just uh, you know the simple songs or simple poems or you know um, itsy bitsy spider, you know, mm-hmm. or the rhymes that come with just loving um, things that you say to somebody as you are going to change their diaper. You know, all of that are all of that are strong pieces of of understanding language, but they're getting it through our relational. Through uh, you know through our exchanges. Yeah, I always um, have heard that you're supposed to be speaking to your children, especially babies, as much as mm-hmm. you can. So it's kind of what you're talking about, like if you absolutely were just sort of narrating what you're doing or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, sometimes it's with very young children. You're literally just saying, "It's time for your diaper now. I'm going to yeah. pick you up," and you know, give them that moment to hear you mm-hmm. that this is what you're doing, and give them a moment to respond to it, which is another piece of it that it's not just giving them the language, mm-hmm. but really treating it as a back and forth. Uh, you know, with the same kind of respect you'd give a grown-up if you were talking to them. So what kind of effect does that have on these infants and toddlers? I mean, are you seeing, you know, kids that are surrounded with this positive language, positive environment all the time, are are they then set up for better success when they enter preschool or, you know, school age? Absolutely, absolutely. That's, uh, it's a respect that they gain from you and then know about themselves that they are a worthy person and that they have a voice within the conversations yeah. of the people around them um, as well as just the the language that they gain from you you know is now part of their uh, repertoire at least in understanding mm-hmm. at first you know mm-hmm. um, and they're just more aware of the ex- of the world around them through the experiences and the language that you've had with them all along so yeah absolutely it becomes more of a uh, it adds to their independence and their capability to 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 own all that yeah i was at a training recently and we had talked about giving 
you know, respect to infants and toddlers. It's similar Mm -hmm. to what you're saying, I think. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about just explaining what you're doing before you do it Mm -hmm. and asking, you know, if they're ready for certain things. And people kept bringing up the same thing, so I wonder if you could speak to it. But someone kept bringing up, like, you can't ask a baby if they're ready for you to change their diaper because you have to change the diaper. Mm-hmm. So are you? is that what you're supposed to be doing is saying, like, okay, can we go change your diaper now? Or should you be... Knowing yeah, you're going to know. change the diaper no matter what. Right. It's sort but, of both. You know that uh, you know what needs to be done, uh-huh. but you're sort of respectfully... Uh, you know, talking through the situation with the child mm-hmm. at hand, in hand. Um, it, if you're saying, I'm going to change your diaper right now, you know, I need to lift your legs or, you know, whatever that you're doing, uh, it's giving them that chance to sort of respond back. And if you're really knowing your children well, you'll know what that response is. You know, if mm-hmm. they're saying, like, you know, I'm uncomfortable right now or I don't want to, it might just be a little bit of a wiggle. And then you just address that, oh, you're not ready now. It doesn't mean you go back to the rug, but you might just talk a little bit more and then mm-hmm. you know try again all right let's try it now so it's just sort of like it's just thinking through the kind of respect that you give to anybody that even if the child's not able to talk to you that they are talking to you they have something mm-hmm. to say and that they are giving you some kind of response but you still as the grown-up know what needs to be done and you get there you know right but so it's the, not just asking your toddler can I change your diaper right. and them surely saying no <laughs> right <can't. laughs> right but exactly. it's just saying that this is what we're going to do and then sure and there's all kinds of ways around that you know the whole like uh, do you want to uh, it's time to get your diaper changed do you want to um, hold my hand or hold the block on our way over oh, you right. know what I mean like sort mm-hmm. of helping uh, as, as much as possible giving them a, a say in it so that might have helped to get them there but then there might be choices uh, within the diaper changing or conversations within the diaper changing that would make it more comfortable or easier but it doesn't have to you know it I guess shouldn't be do you want to or not because it needs to be done you know right. you <laughs> would say no and then you're right. like well that doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> right we know we need to do this yeah. but there's some then what you know do you want to hold this while I do it or you know yeah okay. those kind of things yeah so how does Surrounding the infant and toddler with different voices or different people in different languages affect mm. the infant. Um, I'm just thinking because, so I I don't have any kids, but I'm teaching the preschool and pre-K population, and even me, I go in for for farm to preschool. I'm just there for six weeks for like 45 minutes, but they repeat after me mm-hmm. so much, like. I was checking their plants that we planted and that one one plant was very tall and I was like, holy cow, these plants are so big. And the whole classroom was like, holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, good thing I said cow and not something else, you know? Like, So I was just like, oh my, I have to be so conscious yeah. and careful about my language and my choice of words around kids. So I'm just wondering, you know, if more exposure to different people and different languages and different styles helps these kids? Definitely. Certainly when you're talking about dual language learners, mm. it's such mm-hmm. a benefit. It's such a benefit. And lots of parents will be concerned if there's a regular, a regularly two languages yeah. coming that there might be a delay because it could be confusing. Uh, but even if you're seeing a delay, all the studies point to that it's so beneficial to a child. And if there's a slight delay, so be it. But when they come out, they've got both languages and both uh, both languages have enriched that child. Yeah. Um, so it really comes down to the quality of, of the language. Mm-hmm. So if um, if there's two languages going on um, and neither are having a whole lot of language, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of rich language going on, but one happens to be one language and the other right. the other, um, it's not going to be very beneficial. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That the fact that 
it needs to be quality language with lots of rich exchanges and interactions, and that's what makes it beneficial. So if there's two of those, it's double the right. the, the beauty. Right. But uh, whatever the language is, it just needs to be a rich, connected language. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I can think of how you know a provider would do that just throughout the day. They're talking to the individual infants or toddlers, but. Is it the same if you do that just to your class, like if you're narrating things to your class, or should you really try to make time for each individual child? Because I imagine as a parent, you know, you're going to be doing that individually, but as a provider, I, I imagine you might be having some, like, time constraints of just really... Sure. So, so are there any things, maybe activities or something that you recommend that they do to just make sure they're getting that language-rich time in with the sure. children? I mean, honestly, language will just happen all day long for the whole group and uh, individual times whenever they can sneak that in. I mean, okay. there's a real power to, you know, even if it's just you're tying a child's shoe, and that's a moment that you can, you know, eye-to-eye and talk individually. There's, you know, real strength and power in, in, in that. But obviously when you have a lot of children in your classroom, you don't have a, a day of one on of one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would suggest um, that the more you can do small group interactions, mm-hmm. so if you're reading a book or you're, you know, doing a finger play, to have a few children at a time with you can really make that a really connected and, and uh, enriching experience. And sometimes it takes away from that experience if you're trying to have all your children at one time, because then you have spend yeah, a lot of your energy and time goes into sort of, you know, sit down or listen, you know, that kind of uh-huh. uh, redirecting just to make the circle stay a circle. Um, so, if there are sort of uh, uh, specifics that you're doing, like reading a book or sharing a story, the smaller the group, the better. Mm-hmm. And then you can do it as often as you want. I mean, mm-hmm. you can do it four times in the day and have diff- small groups with you, uh, but you'll see more success with that. But even when you're a whole group and you're just playing outside, it's just sort of making the most of every moment, you know, noticing mm-hmm. the shadows or noticing the, the birds going by or, yeah. you know, talking about the way one child is uh, – anything, feeling or dressed that day or, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of making the conversations uh, real and make sense within with the children that you're with. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be whole group too, you know. So yeah. it's it's just sort of enjoying being together and pointing out things that are noteworthy and uh, fun to look at in books or around us, you know. Yeah. And that seems so natural for me. I remember it, um, I had two of my good friends had children right around the same time as I had my son. So we would all get together for these little infant play dates when we were all on maternity leave when I was on leave. And, you know, we would talk about that. And I just constantly talked to my son because I think I just constantly talked. So <laughs> it just was really normal what, for me. But I was thinking when you're saying, like, you know, the most, the more language, the better, the mm-hmm. more, you know, hi, obviously, like, high-quality words and stuff yeah. like that. I'm like, I talk all the time, not a problem. Right. But, but not everyone is yeah. like that. Like, I remember my one friend saying, like, you know, and, I just don't, you know, I'm normally sort of a quiet person. Right. So for me, it would have been so weird for me not to be talking. So I'm just telling him, like, oh, my gosh, I got to go do this. <laughs> and now we're going to go change you because you just went to the bathroom, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for her, that just wasn't natural. So mm-hmm. what do you suggest if that, you know, if you're listening right now and you're a parent or a provider and you think I'm just a quiet person, yeah. like, what well, can you do? I think it's really interesting. There's what we both were saying because I too as a teacher you know it's very natural for me to bring a lot of language to things it's sort of what I've been uh, you know taught to do but with my uh, work with infants and toddlers I've also had to learn to put the pauses in, to put the, the mm-hmm. real, you know, mm-hmm. really put my listening ears on, you know, mm-hmm. because it's not just about, you know, steamrolling with language. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just, you know, saturating with language. It's really, um, you know, having meaningful exchanges. Mm-hmm. So it's been sort of work on my part to really ask 
notice something about a child or ask them something and really stop and listen and Mm -hmm. wait for that response. And the younger the child, the harder that is because you really might just be looking for if in an infant, like for them to give you some kind of eyes open, you know, uh, eyebrows up. Oh, they're, you know, they or they're wiggling. And then you realize that, you know, they're giving you an Mm -hmm. answer. And with a toddler with limited language, sometimes there's just a few words there and you have to sort of listen and, and like figure out really where, you know, what the other words are that mm-hmm. are sort of would go along with it if they had that uh, more uh, extensive language, and then answer according to that, you know, as opposed to just sort of steamrolling into your own version, you know, to really decipher what they're saying and then give a comment directly back to that, which sounds sort of logical for grown-ups, you know, yeah. that if you say something, I'm going to right. respond exactly to what you said. Yeah. But it gets a little harder sometimes with children, and we're so used to sort of jumping to it. For sure. Right, yeah. especially when the responses are not what you expect a lot of the times. Like, <laughs> a lot of times when yeah. kids respond to a question and it's something completely off, it it throws me off, and I'm yeah. like, I'm not so sure what to say back to that. So yeah. for your friend who sort of feels like she's not naturally, you know, uh-huh. word after word uh, with her children, that kind of lends well to someone like that because you're really just thinking of it as a conversation or a a, a true re- responsive conversation mm-hmm. to whatever her child gives her, then she can just give a little response back and then just take it from there. You know, the back and forth of it is, you know, really sort of the brain building uh, part of what's going on uh, with our young children and their language um, is that back and forth. Oh, that's mm-hmm. very interesting yeah. because now yeah. that I'm thinking of it critically, or, you know, really like thinking back to the conversations that I have with my son, I'm definitely not doing all those things right yet, but I will. But, yeah, I mean, I talk to him so much, but when I ask those questions, I'll ask, you know, what – pretty much everything. I just ask him things all the time. So I'll say, what do you want to bring in to your classroom? And he said this morning, a big, big truck. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to get (laughs) Play-Doh. So I'm talking to him. You really listening. Play-Doh's already packed in his bag. Right, because I've already decided. And he, I mean, his answer, to be fair, big, big truck is the answer to most questions that I give him. So everything is big, big truck. But maybe, you know, that's, maybe we should be talking about trucks more if that's what he's interested in. Then yeah, I could respond that way. So that's really interesting. Big big truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Just to try to really examine yourself as a parent or a provider and think, what are your strengths in this way? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I read to him all the time and I speak all the time. But me listening just in general is something that I should work on and with him too. Have you seen the um, Room dot org? Yes. Think, right. yeah. So that has, uh, room.org is uh, easy to look up, and they have a lot of information about um, connecting with your children in these really meaningful, powerful ways. And a lot of the work that I do with providers will stem off that. And mm-hmm. we often, providers and I often are looking through that, and we realize, like, gosh, sometimes that's tricky for us, but it's just so vital. So one of those is that sort of turn-taking, you know, that when you ask, when a child says something, it's so easy for us to sort of, you know, steamroll whatever our mm-hmm. thought process is connected to that. And, yes, we're bringing language to it. But maybe we need to stop and, you know, Mm -hmm. give them the moment to respond to our words. And then the back and forth happens. But that's one of the pieces on that uh, joinroom.org. That's a good resource. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it is for sure. Um, so you had mentioned the importance of taking infants outside and letting them oh, explore, right. you know, like the shadows right. and the sun and the yeah. breeze and all of that. And you uh, have written an article for our Home and Classroom yes. magazine coming out soon. So, you know, I read your article and I just 
didn't even think of the challenge yeah. that a lot of infant and toddler teachers have with getting kids mm-hmm. outside. Infant because, in particular, yeah. Right, every, mm-hmm. they're all on a different schedule. Sure. So can you speak a little bit to the importance of that and maybe sure. some tools and tips to give teachers and providers for getting the infants out more? Sure. It's, a, it's actually a really big challenge. You know, it's written that we are all children should go out once a day, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all children should have outdoor um, opportunities. But uh, in the infant world, it's really, really a challenge because another big challenge of ours is that we're all working really hard to meet the individual needs of infants, which is the core understanding of infant care. So we're trying to feed children when they're hungry on their schedule, not on our schedule, help them lie down, you know, comfort them into sleep when their bodies are needing it, not on our schedule, you know, so infants sleep different times all day long. Mm -hmm. Um, So their needs vary all different times all day long. Um, and that doesn't necessarily fit an outdoor time, mm-hmm. you know, for when we're available. So it really is sort of, uh, there's a lot up against caregivers who are really trying to make that happen. So the thought here is that at least to make it as easy as possible on you uh, to have a bag available, you know, maybe in lots of um, child care centers have a buggy that they will uh-huh. use outside yeah. um, to have a bag available in the buggy filled with, filled with everything you might need. So if that moment aligns mm-hmm. that you're, you know, you have four babies or three babies and you are in ratio enough to be able to take those babies outside, mm-hmm. that everything is already in place for you. So you don't, you don't at that moment say, uh, you know, oh, we could go out except, you know, where's the blanket? Where's the this? You know, right. so, uh, so we, I call it an inside out bag because it's essentially taking all of the uh, materials and the setup that you have inside for your children to be able to explore and play with you outside. So it's um, a bag that's filled with a, a blanket of some kind, like a beach blanket or, a, you know, large towels or, you know, whatever you could easily take out with you and wash. And um, some soft toys, some books, you know, things of that nature, easy, basic toys that are much more about um what the children do with the toys than than the uh, fancy, uh, you know, battery-operated ones. Just have a few of those materials with you. And if you can take those children out in a buggy and set out your blanket, it can be a really beautiful experience out there. Yeah, great. especially since it's getting nicer out and warmer and everyone wants to be outside. <laughs> I know. And very often what happens is when the weather gets warmer, we take the children out on buggy rides because we want to give them that experience. But if they're in the buggies for you know, the 20, 20 minutes and they're, you know, strapped in there. Yes, they're breathing the air, but they're not having any of that movement. They're not having that exploration that's so important for them. Uh, and I think they just sort of sort of phase out and sometimes you know, phase out like yeah, fall asleep yeah. or just like, you know, yep. uh, stop uh, really looking around because they're just essentially bored, you know. Yeah, so uh, many of them are asleep when you see them. I know. It's very I know. cute. And but. they've been like lulled to sleep by the movement. Right. You know, it's not really necessarily even the time that yeah. they need to sleep, you know. But if you can use that buggy just as a way to get to the spot that you can lay out your blanket and then really rich exploration can happen because then they are free to be sort of looking at what they want to look at. The world's not just whizzing by them, you know. They can process on their own time and Mm -hmm. they can look up at the tree and look up at the tree again and notice something different from the tree, Uh you know. So it's, it's, uh, again, putting it sort of on them to to find what they want to be learning and what they want to be noticing and Mm -hmm. what you're noticing with them. So it's it's Mm -hmm. a wonderful experience to be able to do that. But sometimes it's it's hard to make it happen because of the timing and mm-hmm. the sort of scurry of getting the things together. So at least right. the bag would have one, get, get you one bag. step yeah. ahead. You know, it's yeah. ready for you. All you have to do is grab it. Yeah, yeah. that's really smart. That's a great yeah. idea. And I love the name. 
Inside Out bag. Yeah. <laughs> I know. When I heard it, I'm like, what is that? It's like a double-sided bag. Because like, like, <laughs> yeah. you're not really doing anything different than you would be doing inside. You know, right. you're on your rugs, you're on your mat, you have your basic toys, yeah. you're having your, you know, your um, powerful exchanges of just whatever you're looking at or noticing or playing together. So it doesn't seem that different to bring it outside, but it does, it's so beneficial to do that but it's also so tricky to do that so you know just to have a ready bag is helpful I think that's an important message even for parents the what you just said that you're not really doing anything different than what you're doing inside Mm -hmm. because I think sometimes that's um almost why you don't go outside because you think well I have this little teeny infant you know if I'm not bringing him to a swing Mm -hmm. what am I even doing he's just laying there but that is important there's such value in it and you know it when you're in it like when you're outside and you're just enjoying nature with children I just feel like everybody just sort of I don't know breathes a little bit Mm -hmm. easier and you just notice some really special things like you know I was saying the shadows but like somehow those are sort of magical things when you're outside noticing them with children you know shadows and wildlife you know birds that are flying back and forth uh it it just becomes a a nice connection between you and Mm -hmm. you realize they're seeing more than the walls that they're seeing Mm -hmm. you know in the classroom or in your living room you know day after day it's it's they're nice experiences and you feel it you feel like these were special moments when you make that happen this has been really interesting. Yeah. I, mean, I learned so much. I really have, yeah. And I just feel like I'm still in the toddlerhood stage of being a parent, but there's so many things that you don't really – I think that the, you're right. The smaller the child is, the more that you're – well, as a parent, you're in survival mode. You're just kind of trucking through. And as a provider, I imagine it's just a little bit more um, – it could fall through the cracks a little bit more in terms of, like, curriculum and all the things that people are kind of developing for the daycare setting. I think sometimes it does, so it's really important that you're bringing those things to our providers. We sometimes uh, forget that, you know, the youngest of children do have sort of curricular needs, you know, because teachers think kind of like, well, what kind of lesson planning am I going to be doing? (laughs) But very often curricular, uh, curriculum planning for young children is really just noticing what kind of development you're seeing from them, what are they doing, Mm -hmm. and understanding that development helps you know what things to encourage, what materials to bring, or what, uh, you know, fun things to do with them just to keep that going. And that's curriculum, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any um, resources that you could think of that you'd like us to include maybe on our show notes page, the parents or providers? I know you mentioned Zoom, so that's probably... The Vroom. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Rename it. (laughs) Actually, that's a really big one. It's just such a great uh, organization, and it's bringing such important knowledge knowledge of uh, sort of high science of brain development, but into really, uh, you know, into the into our hands of everyday experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always recommend that for people. I would definitely uh, look into that. Yeah, it's, it's uh, if you look online, it has to be joinvroom.org. Okay. Otherwise, it brings you to some automotive vroom, site. V-R, not Z. Right, V-R-O-O-M, <laughs> joinvroom.org. Um, and that has lots of... Um, uh, it has videos. It has um, lots of like posters and and uh, handouts. Um, but it also has um, information about an app that you can mm-hmm. get connected with. That every day can connect you with uh, fun and easy ways to have these brain building. Um, uh, moments with your children. So uh, if you say you're going to the grocery store with a three-year-old, it will give you ideas of things to do and look at wow. and talk about while you're there because uh, even those exchanges yeah. are, are great uh, foundational brain-building um, experiences. So it gives you sort of all these tips and ideas. So uh, it's, it's a great, it's a great um, app and uh, site to go to. Great. And yeah. is there anywhere that people could reach out to if they have questions or maybe a provider wants to speak to you about 
something related to infant toddler? They can call here absolutely anytime at the Child Care uh, Council here in Manans, Capital District Child Care Coordinating Council, <laughs> and just ask for the infant toddler specialist. There's two of us here, oh, okay. and we would uh, always be happy to help, whether it's uh, classrooms or uh, parents or grandparents, you know, any, anything that's in for toddler. If we don't have the, the resources or the uh, answers, we'll find the people who do. Um, so, yeah, absolutely, we're the... Great place to call. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you for coming on. Thanks Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. That's it for this week. Check out our show notes page at cdccc.org. Thanks for listening. By doing so, you are helping to create a world where all children are understood. Chicken head.